Welcome to Megan Meets, a podcast hosted by me, Megan Scully, in association with Salt Float and Recovery Suites. Ireland's first dedicated natural health spa, offering flotation therapy, infrared and traditional Finnish saunas, contrast therapy, and no contact compression massage and more. Salt is located two minutes from the M6 motorway on the outskirts of Galway City and they stock a wide range of Irish health and wellness products. Take time to look after you this year at Salt, experts in holistic wellness. Keep listening for special offer at the end. In the first series, I'll be exploring health and wellness and each guest will be chatting to me about the work they do. You'll learn more about alternative healing methods, health, happiness and so much more. Get involved by using the hashtag MeganMeets. Hit subscribe and share the love with friends and family are those who you feel could benefit from the health and wellness topics and methods discussed. Join me now, it is Dr. Phil Noon. Phil, how are you keeping? I'm very well, thank you Megan, and I'm delighted to be here with you, talking to you today. And of course we are in the magical setting of Setu, which I was here chatting to Adele only a couple of weeks ago, and it's in Clarence Bridge, and it is, I have to say, as I said to you when I walked in the door, there's just this magic here, and this kind of, I felt like I just came in here and I like had a lovely kind of deep breath and just felt, ah, oh, I'm relaxed, I'm here. Oh. It's, it is a lovely space and we're very lucky to be able to be here um, and there is such an amount of therapies and healing that goes on here from many different forms of yoga to massage, reflexology, reiki, mindfulness, craniosacral therapy, whatever you need to enhance your health and well-being, all you need to do is walk in the door of Setu and I think you get it. <laughs> you certainly do and it's just such a healing place and I think the location as well adds to the magic but of course uh, you mentioned mindfulness which you are a mindfulness coach and I know you give give classes here in mindfulness, but um, I'd like to um, start off maybe because I know you're very involved with the nursing and NUIG, and I guess you were obviously always born a healer. Um, so how was it, um, how did nursing come about for you? Was it something you always knew you wanted to do? Well, that's a very interesting question because when I left school, I went to college in UCD, um, but I had, didn't get into the course that I wanted to, so I left college and then wanted to do nursing. Um, the main reason I wanted to do nursing at the time was I wanted to travel. I wanted okay. to experience other cultures and other places. And um, really, I suppose I love being with people and that brought me into the profession. And the profession has been really good to me because I've been able to work internationally and in fact, I've worked more abroad than I actually have in Ireland. So. That's amazing. Yeah. I guess now I've noticed, I suppose, with a lot of people my age who got into nursing, um, an awful lot of them have gone abroad and um, they just seem to, I guess, love that you can travel with it, as you said. And mm. I think maybe I never would have thought with nursing, you never kind of, travel wouldn't have come into my mind. But now that you mentioned it, I do see my friends getting to work in different places and different areas. So um, I think it must be a great experience to be able to kind of amalgamate the two. Yes. And you can travel and not nurse, but you can also be, I suppose, have a certain amount of security that you will get work in Australia, New Zealand, mm -hmm. India. You can work in, in the outback, you can work in hospital setting. Really the sky is the limit for anybody. You can work as an NGO, you can go to Sierra Leone. You can yeah. do anything you want within the profession. Yeah, yeah I guess which is see very so varied and lovely. Yeah, I think that's great because I suppose you get to see so many different diversities and cultures and maybe you know you get to help out so many different people. Um, but as I said, we are here because of mindfulness and being mindful and but so whereabouts did it come for you that you started maybe practicing for yourself about okay. mindfulness? Um, well I always had a huge interest in health and well-being and when I came back to Ireland I studied health promotion 
because I really felt that maybe we the health system even though it does a huge amount of good work but if we focus more on a strength base and we look at people's capability and build on them and build on positive health and build on well-being then it's a much better place to start rather than treating people when they become unwell um i was working in in uig as a lecturer for a number of years and one day the workload was huge mm -hmm. and quite demanding and one day I was sitting at the desk and there was lots of emails as always and I actually thought you know there has to be something different within work that I can do yeah. so I decided then that I would explore the whole area of mindfulness and I initially studied with a beautiful lady Carmel Farnan in Marina Institute in Dublin where I did mindfulness and positive psychology and then after that I went to UCD um, with Paul Dalton in the School of Psychology there and I did mindfulness-based interventions and MSc in that. So then after that I was practicing mindfulness in, in UIG, I was doing mindfulness with the staff and what I noticed over the years was working with students that their level of anxiety and stress had yeah. actually escalated in the last number of years so we introduced a module on complementary therapies and I built in mindfulness into that and did mindfulness in the morning for students and at lunchtime and I still do mindfulness in the morning as part of InuIG um, mindful way for staff and anybody else who wants to connect into it. I think yeah. we all live such busy lives now and we kind of forget to take a second to, to just breathe and, and just to unwind. But for those people who are kind of thinking, oh, you know, Okay, you talk about mindfulness, talk about, and you know, there might be people listening right now who think I'm so stressed out at work. Um, how is, I suppose, maybe the easiest way to define what exactly mindfulness is? Okay, mindfulness is very simply, it's about cultivation of present moment awareness. Because a lot of the time we live in our head, our thoughts take over in our head, and we become very busy, 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 busy doing. And mindfulness actually brings us back to a space of being. And it just helps to calm the mind, still the mind. It can um, result in quite a lot of relaxation and um, I wouldn't like to say it's the panacea for everything, mm -hmm. but with practice, and the more you practice, the better, the better it, its effect is. Because if you wanna get fit and it, you actually go to the gym, you don't just go to the gym once. So yeah. you build a muscle in your leg and the muscle gets strong. It's the same with mindfulness. Mindfulness builds very positive neural pathways in your brain and it strengthens them over time. It allows us as well, because we actually take a pause and because we stop in our busy life, it actually gives us a space or a pause, whichever you want to say, to actually respond to something in a more different way than maybe our normal reactive pattern. So it can break reactive patterns and actually allow us to respond with kindness and care and compassion and very often in life we're our own worst critics so we're harder on ourselves than anybody else so mindfulness brings us back to ourselves to our heart body mind and to treat ourselves with kindness and gives us that space for ourselves and because we look after ourselves and because it actually enhances our own emotional well-being and builds our own emotional resilience then when we meet other people we're able to treat them differently and the wider planet and everybody in it 
Yeah. I absolutely love that. I actually never realised there was a science to this. I never realised yes. that it actually is a part of your brain mm-hmm. that you can strengthen. I, I just, I, I practice mindfulness, but I did not know that. So that's yes. fascinating. So that's the science yes. part of the actual almost physical side of your brain. Yes. Mindfulness in 1976 was actually introduced now. The practice of mindfulness, if you trace its origin, it originates from Buddhist psychology. And the Buddhists have been marvelous for meditation for many, many years. And this guy, um, Dr. Kabat-Zinn, actually looked at patients or was treating patients who had chronic pain and thought there has to be more I can offer them. So he actually designed mindfulness-based stress reduction. And um, it's an incredible program whereby he's not saying that he can rid people of pain because the medical profession who were treating these Mm -hmm. people beforehand had exhausted a lot of the medical roots. But what he's saying is he can work with people to enable them to actually look at it in a different way, to respond in a kinder way to their own body. And that helps them on, on their journey. And then following on from that, some great people, Williams and Siegel and others in Oxford and and Bangor University developed mindfulness-based cognitive therapy. And that's used very much in the treatment of depression. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the research has actually shown that for people who have three relapses of depression and embark on a program of mindfulness-based cognitive therapy, that it can lessen their depressive Um, episodes. So there's a huge amount. Neuroscience has really, I suppose, in a sense, been able to show the impact on our physiology and on our biology on the impact of mindfulness. And they were able to measure, say, cortisol levels. And after a period of, of mindfulness practice, they were able to show that cortisol levels dropped. And of course, when we're in a high stress state, our cortisol level is flying around our body, which in a very short term is good because it gets us up and moving, Mm. but long term it can lead to physical and mental exhaustion, which is not good for us. But um, the neuroscience has been able to show changes in many different parts of the brain following um, a period of mindfulness practice, even as short a period as six weeks, they were able to show that our emotion regulation center was actually more active. So there's huge amount of science, any amount we want to read. And um, I was talking to a friend of mine two nights ago, and she actually gave me an article on mindfulness and its impact on pain, which was a, a research wow. study done. And when I was in NUIG, um, we did a study with the students called the SWIM study, and it really looked at the impact of mindfulness on their well-being. And even though these students had only were only exposed to the practice of mindfulness for a relatively short period of time, they said that it enabled them to take a pause. It enabled them to actually respond to themselves and to others a little bit more kinder. And it's actually showed them how much of the time they rush around on automatic pilot, yeah. which is important and is necessary, but we don't need to be on automatic pilot all the time. And even one of the students, I remember telling me, she said, and I was walking in the park and I've walked in this park many times over the years. And uh, she said, it was the first time I thought, 
okay, let me look at the grass, let me look at how green it is, let me look to see is it dry or is it damp? And then she began to look at the trees and notice their colour and there were some squirrels around and she actually, yeah, spent some time watching the squirrels and the whole activity, she said, um, the whole experience was quite transformed for her. And she said that she had walked in this park just plonging along yeah. for fitness, flying from yeah. one end of the park to the other and hadn't really observed very much. Yeah. That's fascinating because I actually, during the main lockdown when it was two kilometres and I live in Limerick and all I could walk was the Three Bridges, which is a, a lovely, lovely little walk. Um, but I decided, because I like that, I used to go out and do my runs. And as you said, I'd go out and I'd be just thinking fitness, running, time, fast, here, there, back. So then when I started incorporating to my daily um, routine was a mindful walk. And as you mentioned there, I try spot colours, textures, yes. birds, um, sounds. Yeah. And I think as well, we've become very, um, I guess, I don't want to say obsessed with, but the whole idea of wearing um, headphones and earphones and, and like a lot of people wearing noise cancelling ones. Mm -hmm. So when you're listening to your music, you don't hear or see, really yeah. notice anything that's going wrong. Um, for people who are listening, you're thinking, how do I start to be mindful? Um, what would be your best advice? Okay, mindfulness Kabat-Zinn will always say that mindfulness is not a practice only for sitting down in a group or on your own practicing mindfulness meditation, that really the real curriculum of mindfulness is life. So you can bring mindfulness anywhere. If you're going from here to your car, instead of going at the speed of knots and living in your head for that amount of time, maybe just take one foot on the ground notice the noise it makes, the other foot on the ground, notice the noise it makes, so that you become aware of everything that is happening as it is happening in the present moment. Even doing a boring task, we'll say like washing the dishes, yeah. we do it fast, but maybe if we notice the water running on our hands, maybe the suds in the basin, maybe the physical activity of rubbing, um, a sponge around a saucepan or whatever. So mindfulness is actually everything. But there's two practices or two way we describe the practices. One is formal and the other is informal. The formal practice is what you get really when you come to a mindfulness class, mm -hmm. such as I run in the morning and evening and Tuesdays. Um, but then the informal practice is everything else that you do. And you were asking very simply for the listeners how you can be mindful. We can be mindful and do a very short mindfulness practice by bringing our attention to our feet as we're sitting down. And just, we are held and supported by the ground and by the earth. And then noticing our bum and the seat, we are held and supported by the seat. Noticing our back, its position, our head supported by our shoulders. Noticing our shoulders are they up around our ears and allowing them to fall and soften a little bit more. And just resting our hands in our lap and bringing our awareness to our breath. Our breath in the tummy and you can place your hand on the tummy if you wish and just observe this very subtle rise and fall of the breath as it moves in and out of your tummy. And if you do that, for three minutes 
um, that will actually allow your parasympathetic nervous system to kick in, which will calm the body. And it actually puts a block on our sympathetic nervous system, which we actually use when we're flying around the place. So it allows the parasympathetic to just do its job and it calms us down and then we can get up and move around and yes. So you could start with as little as three minutes a day and then yes. build from there. Yeah. So that means we all can make three minutes mm -hmm. in a day. You know, everyone, I think a lot of people, big excuse that everyone uses for, for a lot of situations is time. But I think, you know, if you could start your day with three minutes of yes. mindfulness in the morning, yes. I mean, that could just set you up. And that's what I started. But I find as well, and this is when I first started mindfulness, I um, went through a traumatic time in my 20s and I, my head was in an awful headspace. And I knew mindfulness was going to help me in meditation. But I found when I tried to be mindful, the noise inside my head was so great that I was like, this isn't working. And I've had friends who said to me, they're like, no, my, my brain is too noisy. Does that mean then that maybe you maybe need that more? If the, like the louder the noise, maybe the more you maybe need this? Um, what I would say is that we all need mindfulness. Mm -hmm. And even doing the practice, the three minute practice that we were just talking about there, when you bring your attention to your breath, you will notice that the mind is flying and wandering a hundred different places. That's what the mind does. And that is no fault of the mind and no fault of anybody. It's, it's what our minds like to do. Our minds love to wander. But what mindfulness does, it allows us and it gives us the choice and a little bit of control on where our thoughts go. So we can actually with practice train ourselves to begin to actually recognize where our thoughts have gone and then bring our attention back firmly and kindly and with gentleness to our breath. So it's, um, it's about awareness. Mindfulness is certainly the cultivation of present moment awareness. And um, awareness is key because a lot of the time we don't realize where our thoughts have gone or we're say annoyed with something someone has said. So it's in our head and it's in our thoughts all day and it's consuming us. But what maybe we haven't noticed as well is that our thoughts are connected to our emotions yeah. And our emotions are connected to our body because our mind, heart and body are all interconnected. And if we're annoyed, then it will impact on our muscles and we tighten our muscles or our shoulders go up near our ears or whatever. And mindfulness brings us back into the body to actually know what's happening in our mind, body, heart space. And it's through that awareness that we're and with practice that we're able to say, okay, I see all these thoughts, but maybe not for now. And you come back to the breath. So it allows you to have this sense of self-control mm -hmm. that is very enhancing for our well-being. And would, does, is there such thing as like mindful writing? Like can, can writing help maybe when you're trying to, you said, you know, you're, you have so many thoughts and I find sometimes yeah. myself, there's a million and one thoughts and I'm trying to relax and I'm trying to get into a mindful state, but the, the brain is going 90. So, you yes. know, is, would it be good maybe if I started writing down those thoughts to maybe get them out of my head? And maybe, will that help me maybe set into yes. practice? Yes, um, certainly journaling is, is very important to get your thoughts out and to get them onto a page. 
Um, but the other side, if you were, and I know you've written, written quite extensively, Megan, and published many books, but if we want to enhance our writing potential or ability or whatever, if we practice mindfulness, it actually creates a space because it calms the mind, it calms the busyness of the mind. And a lot of research will show that um, mindfulness practice allows us to be better decision makers, better problem solvers, but also um, it frees a space to enhance our creativity. And it's very interesting that you should mention the whole area of writing because Dr. Nile um, from Book Up Publishing and myself are actually delivering um, what we're calling it doctors are in the house <laughs> but it's actually a writing and mindfulness workshop on February the 26th here in Seto oh, from one o'clock until until four and um, that will include it's a beautiful afternoon and again it's all about self-care it's about minding ourselves it's about looking forward to coming to something where you will be nourished and cared for it starts with organic lunch which is beautiful cooked by Siobhan who's an incredible cook and then it will um, proceed with mindfulness and then we'll have lots of different writing um, exercises or activities and then we'll conclude with mindfulness again so hopefully people we expect everybody will go home in a bit of a state of zen and, <laughs> and writing aware because the challenge with writing is we're too busy in our heads so you have to clear some of the noise in your head to make the space for writing it's like um it's like anything we're going to do say we have tennis balls and they're in their tube and the tube is full and then not another tennis ball will go in if we have a commitment to write however much say we're doing a chapter for mental health for millennials um then we have to actually take out one ball in order to be able to create a space. And mindfulness just allows us that ability to make that decision to see what can we realistically just not do for now if we want to write. Because we can't do everything. And I think as human beings, we have this very, very unrealistic idea of ourselves that we can do everything and be everything to everybody <laughs> And the person that is least minded in all of that is is the me or or the you. I love that um that analogy of the tennis ball. So I guess what I'm taking from that is take it one tennis ball at a time. Yes. And then you'll as you said, you'll make the space and, and I, I like you you mentioned there and you mentioned earlier on about um you know, I think it's it's like once you look after yourself, like, you know, we are I suppose we're we're very busy bodies, we want mm -hmm. to be able to help and heal as many people as possible, but if we're not healing ourselves we're only going to end up burning out ourselves yes and, and as you said you make better decisions when you're in a better place and when yes. you're happier and actually if you can put yourself first you'll actually be more beneficial to everyone in yes. your life and even though oftentimes in in our culture which is very somewhat individualistic i think our our culture it's very much achievement orientated and individualistic. Whereas if you look at other cultures in the world, um, they're very community and very collective in their approach. So there isn't this same drive to achieve. So I think maybe we need to step back a small bit from individual achievement 
um, as being the goal in life and really look at what is our purpose, what do we really want to do as opposed to what will earn us the most money and get us the biggest house and the fastest car because a lot of the research on happiness will show that that won't really ultimately give us happiness, that it will really only give us happiness for maybe a week and then we get bored or maybe it will for a month and then we, we, the novelty of it wears off. Whereas happiness is being in the flow moment and it's about catching the awe of now. Either be that a laughter, be it jumping into the sea and having an awe moment where you see the moon and the sunrise, you know, um, the moon is still there and the sun is just coming up. How magic a moment is that to catch? And that is mindfulness. And I've called my own mindfulness ocean mindfulness because I started sea swimming in October 21 um, at the start of lockdown, or maybe it was 20. Anyway, time flies whenever lockdown started initially. And we continued it every day um, for the whole, yes, it was 12 months. We continued it for the whole 12 months in all seasons. And even though you might imagine that sea swimming is just sea swimming, it's not, it's different every time you swim in the dark in the dead of night and it is so dark and then you swim and the moon is out or you swim at sunrise or you swim at sunset, you swim when it's rough, you swim when it's calm. But you are always aware of only now when you sea swim because you're aware of the physical movement of your body. When you jump into the water initially, it actually does create a certain amount of shock in the body and adrenaline is released and then you settle and then you begin to swim. Um, sea swimming and mindfulness, I would see as two of the most powerful health enhancing activities or practices that one can do. Um, sea swimming has has taken off in Ireland um, because a lot of the swimming pools were closed and I used to swim in the swimming pool so then I, I went to the sea but I've always loved the sea and the power of the ocean and really in many ways we can't control life and we can't control the ocean either but what we can do is mind ourselves in that space so swimming in the ocean we never swim alone we always look out for one another we always look at the tides we always look at keep an eye on the temperature if you're new to sea swimming in the winter you wouldn't certainly swim in january and february if you're more used to it it's actually okay um so there is always a huge element of minding ourselves of of safety minding ourselves and minding others um but it is a flow activity where you actually catch a gnaw moment of now that is really unimaginably beautiful. And then, and there is a lot of physiology as well that will show that um, serotonin is released, that dopamine is increased in your body, both from the practice of mindfulness and the practice of sea swimming. And when you come out and you change and you have something warm to drink, the feeling of euphoria and also calmness so it's a strange thing to say that euphoria and calmness exist side by side but they certainly can because the calmness is a different 
very deep kind of calmness and the euphoria is nobody bother me now you know you can say whatever and when I go home to my home people know they can say whatever and they won't get a reaction because I'm so zoned out it's very beautiful I have to say yeah. I've been following your sea swing adventures and I have said to Dr Niall that I will come join you guys soon but maybe I wait till it warms up a bit because I haven't been swimming all yeah. year and I actually am um, I admire you all so much for doing it and I see people doing it all the time and thinking wow this just looks incredible but I guess you've just explained now why people do it because sometimes I see and I think how can they do that every day like why how could they be jumping into the sea and like, yeah. I always think the cold and yeah. and the, the waves and everything but as you've just described I'm here going right do I have a swimsuit in my car do I have a towel okay <laughs> there is there one back home can I and I'm just thinking now like now I you just explained it mm. so now it makes so much sense why everyone does it because it obviously works and it gives it's that a, sensation yeah it's a very it's a very powerful experience and um there is also another element to it and there is also another element to mindfulness as well i can practice mindfulness on my own i can walk in the burren which i absolutely love and be very mindful i can teach mindfulness and have a great connection with a group so mindfulness is people practice on their own in their own space but then they come to a group there is no demands of anyone in the group, no expectation that anybody say a word, you can remain totally silent, but there is that sense of this group is meeting every week. So there is a shared commonality there and um, a looking forward for many people. And in a similar way to swimming in Black Rock, you get to know the people who swim you don't know them intimately yeah. and that's totally okay. You get to know their faces, you get to say hello, they say hello back. And I've written or am writing about this for um, Mental Health for Millennial 6. I'm looking at the whole notion of the title or the theme of the book is theme is um, inclusion and hope. And what I'm exploring in it is this notion of knowing and not knowing and how inclusive the space of the Black Rock swimming community is. You don't need to know people intimately to actually know people in a general sense. And one of the things that really always struck me about returning to Ireland, having lived abroad for so many years, everybody I met, there were two questions they asked me, always, what do you do? And the other one was, was I married, right? And um, I wasn't married at the time, but anyway. Um, so they were, there were a lot of people very curious to see me hitched up and fixed up or whatever. But the other thing was the, the amount of times I got asked, what do you do? And I'm always reluctant to answer that question because I am more than what I do. As an individual, I am limitless and my potential can expand in any direction I wish it to. But I am more than my job. I am a human being with potential.
Yes. <laughs> I love that. And no, you're right. We're all, we actually are all limitless and we should never put ourselves into any category because we're ever changing and we're ever yeah. evolving. And before we finish up, I want to know how can people who are listening sign up for Doctors in the House? Because first of all, I'm sitting here listening to you. I was like, I want to go sea swimming. I want to go journaling. I want to go meditating. So <laughs> this is going to be a perfect opportunity. Okay. So how can people get involved? Okay. Um, in terms of the Doctors in the House, people can contact Dr. Nile through Book Hub Publishing or contact me through Ocean Mindfulness um, website or through my own phone number on social media, um, Instagram and Facebook and my contact details are there. And uh, just on the offside, there is something else. Oh yeah, there's a few things I'd like to say. Not everybody likes to come to a group in terms of mindfulness. Um, the mindfulness practice I offer is on on Tuesday 11 to 12 and then in the evening from 6 to 7 I do mindfulness and positive psychology so I run two classes on Tuesday but if someone is a little reluctant to join a group and would like to try mindfulness then I run or certainly can organize one-to-one -one mindfulness because mm -hmm. that's what that's what I did really during lockdown when people were not able to meet in person. I did quite a lot of one-to-one -one mindfulness and it certainly works. Um, I also do Reiki and I'm a Reiki master in Sikkim. And the other thing which is you'd be fascinated with, Megan, it's um, Orosoma. You may not have heard of Orosoma, but it is, it's where you you actually pick some colors. There's many different bottles of essential oils and crystals and plant material. And you choose the bottle, each bottle has two colors and you choose the bottle that you are drawn to. And that can tell a lot about, about you. Um, and I meant to bring the bottles and I actually forgot to bring them, but I actually brought um, the Orisoma oh. book just so I can show you. And those are some of the bottles. Oh, lovely. Yeah. Oh, the colors. And, yes. And all of the colors of the bottles um, relate to the chakra system. So ah. our chakra, we're made of energy and there's seven and many more. Commonly it's stated as seven, but there are many more chakras than seven. But the colors of the bottles relate to the chakra system in the body. Um, so it's all healing, it's all about knowing ourselves. Um, Reiki has an ability to, to block some of the um, chakra systems in the body. But all of these therapies, be it reflexology, Reiki, yoga, mindfulness, or soma, really the person who heals themselves is themselves. They, it's just facilitating that in small steps, but really we are the controllers of our own destiny in many ways. Yeah, I absolutely love this. And um, Dr. Phil Noonan, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. And I look forward to seeing more of your work in sea swimming. And I promise you, I'll join you. And uh, as well, I'm going to leave your website and details in uh, with the description below. So as I said, thank you so, so much. It's been an absolute pleasure and we could stay chatting for hours. Um, but I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you, Megan. It's been all my delight. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to Megan Meets with me, Megan Scully, in association with Salt Float and Recovery Suites. Get 20% off single therapies at Salt. Enter Meg Meets at the checkout or in store. Check out saltfloatrecovery.com for booking and for more information. And remember, hit subscribe and share the love with friends and family or those who you feel could benefit from the health and wellness topics and methods discussed.